Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of November 21st, 2019, including Anthem still isn't dead. Modern Warfare appears to be getting a Battle Royale mode. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is really good, but also very hard, and much more. And remember to definitely stay tuned next week as I have some very special interview guests. Uh, That's right. The kids who said they fucked your mom when you used to play Xbox Live will be joining me next week for an exclusive and exhaustive two-hour interview episode. So definitely be sure to come uh, check that out as I think it's going to be pretty much the greatest podcast in Xbox podcasting history. Aside from that, I, I just want to start off this week kind of going over the what I've been playing as last week, you know, we had to mess the formula up a little bit to accommodate for XO19. And now this week kind of getting back into the swing of things. I want to definitely talk about some video games, things that are actually being played rather than things that are on the horizon or are in the uh, far future. So, I mean, this has been, I guess, a little over a week now, but I finally completed the Outer Worlds. And to just kind of wrap up my final thoughts on that, you know, it's again, being like over a week removed from having completed that my memory starting to get a little fuzzy on kind of all my thoughts on it but nonetheless I will say overall the Outer Worlds very solid game um, I don't think I really said this enough the first time I talked about it having when I started playing the game but this is normally not my type of game I've played Fallout 3 I've started it like three times and then given up on it uh, I played most of Fallout 4 and then gave up because I really didn't care for it I still kick myself because I've never played New Vegas and I sure as hell don't give a crap about the Elder Scrolls games because I don't like medieval fantasy settings. So just for context, you know, despite this genre being immensely popular, this is not the kind of game I normally play. So finishing the Outer Worlds was actually kind of a feat for me because Again, this is just generally a genre I give up on or, or don't invest in as much, uh, despite always really wanting to really like the Fallout games because I do love the aesthetic in, in the setting of Fallout. But regardless, uh, Outer Worlds, it was really solid. I, I will say, finishing the game, uh, this it kind of affirms my biggest fear about games like this where it's all about player choice and player agency and you controlling the narrative. And it's that you can't ever make the, the ending too impactful because you either end up with A, you have a big ending that it's kind of, you're kind of funneled into regardless of which way you play, which makes your choices seem ancillary, um, or you end up with an ending like what Outer Worlds has, and I'm not spoiling, I'm just saying it feels somewhat anticlimactic. Uh, it's like, wow, you, I, I've been given all this choice throughout the game, and then you reach the ending, and it's like, meh, so what? But, it, I mean, these games really aren't so much about, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, the destination, it's more about the journey. That's the whole fun of being able to play the game your way and make the decisions you make. I just wish it had a bigger payoff, but I wasn't really disappointed with it all that much. I think by the end of the game, to be honest with you, I was just kind of ready to be done with it because despite having really enjoyed this game, it just, I'm the kind of guy who likes the solid eight hour game. I think I played Outer Worlds for like 15, 16 hours by the time I was done with it, which was like kind of pushing it for me. I guess I, I guess I get bored easily, but um, I, 
that being said, still 15, 16 hours. I'm very glad the game is a tight 15, 16 hours as opposed to, you know, 20, 30, 40 hour game like a lot of these types of games generally are. So that being said, I was pretty pleased with the game just kind of being a tight overall package and not really overstaying its welcome. And then just, you know, more of what I've been saying about this game. I really enjoy the moment to moment gameplay. I like the melee combat a lot. I like the player choice and, and the weight you actually feel with the choices you make. I love being able to play the game in more of a stealthy kind of weasel your way out of situations with your words kind of way, as opposed to just always having to resort to combat. It's uh, It was very, it's kind of a palate cleanser for me or just kind of a, a really different kind of game for me and a game I'm glad I enjoyed and I'm, I'm glad I tried out. Um, and, you know, thanks to the power of Game Pass, I was, I was able to do that for the low cost of nothing, uh, just 15 hours of my life. And what is my time worth? Absolutely nothing. Uh, aside from that, of course, uh, I won't I won't hold back anymore. Of course, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order came out this past week. And yes, I have been playing that. I've been kind of busy slash just unusually tired. So I haven't played as much of it as I would like to. But I'm about five, six hours into the game now. And I will definitely say this game is really, really good. Of course, everyone was seemed a little cautious about about the game because it's like Respawn, you know, those guys used to be the old Infinity Ward guys and now they're the Titanfall and Apex Legends guys. Essentially, they just they make shooters, right? They're first-person shooter guys, right? But nope, they decided to make a third-person action game and they did it better than most. It has very Uncharted-like platforming and, and environment traversal, um, which is awesome. It has very Tomb Raider-esque, like somewhat Tomb Raider, somewhat Zelda-like puzzle-solving dungeon stuff which is just really well done. It's it's a little more challenging than I anticipated the puzzle solving being, which I really appreciate. It's not like it's not like stupid hard puzzles, but it's like it's not like always obvious the answer or the solution to the puzzle. So I appreciate that it kind of tears that line of being like not insultingly easy, but also not like gruelingly difficult. And then additionally it has, you know, I hate this term, Metroidvania kind of like tracking and map traversal. You get that live map that you use to kind of explore places, unlock new abilities that allow you to explore new areas of previously explored maps and things like that. And then yes, as you may have heard, if you follow this game to any extent, it has very Dark Souls or what I assume is Dark Souls like combat where like the parrying really matters the timing of the attacks all that the dodge rolling all that good shit really matters it's not just hack and slash away uh, i'm playing the game on on like the medium difficulty there's four difficulties i'm playing on the second mode uh, which is you know i normally play a game of first go around on normal mode uh and i i gotta say jedi fallen order is the kind of game that really makes me ad admit something I'm, I'm not usually an, an embarrassed person. I don't easily get embarrassed. There aren't many things that really humiliate me. But there there's one thing I will reveal to you that does humiliate me. And it's like being shitty at games. For someone who, not to like pat myself on the back, knows as much as I, as I know about video games and is as in touch with this industry and in this kind of, I don't know, these current events in the games industry as I am. For someone who's been playing games as long as I have, you know, ever since I was like five years old, uh, four years old, you know, someone who plays and loves and adores games as much as I do. I have no real excuse for sucking at games as much as I do. I'm just really not very good at video games. Uh, uh, there, with with rare exception, you know, I'm good at kart racers and most first person shooters, but I'm not. I'm I'm good, not great. I'm good at Halo. I'm not great at Halo. Not for as much as I play it, but but the point I'm trying to make is Jedi Fallen Order is not an easy game, or at least by my standards, I feel like you know, and I get like a little envious or a little like insecure watching some some other like youtubers and podcasters kind of talk about this game as i hear them saying like oh you know it's kind of challenging the combat's pretty 
deep, but it's not it's not Dark Souls hard. To me, you know, I don't play Dark Souls, but this is what I assume Dark Souls hard is because I'm getting my ass kicked on normal mode. And, you know, the, I, I, there have been moments where I'm like, man, should I just bump down to, like, the story mode and just enjoy the platforming and the story because the combat's not really my thing? And, you know, bumping down to the easy mode will allow you to just kind of blast through all the combat. And I'm like, no, I really want to see this through on the normal mode and just kind of get a feel for these more like uh, methodical combat driven game. So I'm, I'm trying to push through on this normal difficulty, but I'm also just like extremely embarrassed at just how bad I am at this game and how, and how, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a patience thing. Maybe it's just, I want to hack and slash. I want to just fight, 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 but I don't have the patience to really like do the dance of, of the combat, so to speak, as, as these kinds of more combat focused games are a dance of like learning your opponent's moves, learning how to react and then when to attack and things like that. And I just, I just want to hack and slash like this is the force unleashed, which of course it isn't. Yeah. I mean, if you were, if you were wondering about this game, if it's hard, take it from someone who is not very great at video games. This game is, is in my opinion, hard for sure. Uh, the nice thing is the story mode does dumb it down. I, I, I slipped into it just a bit to see be, out of curiosity. I was thinking, you know, a game with a Star Wars, you know, any video game with the Star Wars brand on is it going to attract a very wide and mainstream audience. So you have to make this accessible to your more casual players that are going to play this, not because they love games, but because they love Star Wars, right? Um, and sure enough, yes, the super easy mode makes the game very accessible to to players. Um, so that is a, a thing you can, you know, if you're worried about this game being difficult, don't worry. The super easy mode is, it makes the game passable, uh, for sure. Combat wise. But you know, if you really want to enjoy the game as it's intended to be played, you're going to want to play at least on the medium difficulty. And I mean, just be prepared. It's not an easy game. That being said, it's not like stupid hard where it's like, Oh, the fuck this game. I can't get past this boss. It's like, you're going to die a handful of times, but you really got to pay attention and be engaged in the combat in order to learn it and get past it. It's not like cheap deaths or anything. So that's the good news. But yeah, the game overall is fantastic so far. Another thing I've heard a lot about is just like, oh, the main protagonist is kind of boring and not really fleshed out. I don't really fully get that. I think he's kind of interesting. But then again, I also think Luke Skywalker is an absurdly overrated character because I think if you watch the original Star Wars movies, Luke Skywalker is kind of like really underdeveloped and un not very fleshed out at all, but whatever. I think the new guy, Cal, the guy you play as in this game is about as fleshed out as Luke Skywalker, so I don't really understand what makes him so unimportant, but he's he's fine. He's likable. I think I have nothing against him. I think he's a cool character. The BD-1, the little droid you have with you, he's adorable. He's I like him more than BB-8. He's super cool, cute little droid guy. Uh, and then all the supporting characters in the game are also pretty cool. The enemy, the main villain seems also badass. Like the game has emotional weight to it. All the characters are interesting and play a, a relevant role to the main character. It's just, it's story-wise, it's, you know, the story's consistent. It doesn't do that thing where it gives you exposition, falls off and lets the gameplay take center stage and then forgets to reintroduce more story elements. It's like, it's consistently like this nice blend of exploration, combat, platforming, story. And it's all very well interwoven and it doesn't seem like the game favors one aspect too much over another it's just overall a very solid game and i tweeted out earlier this week it's just this game is proof every time at respawn entertainment touches uh the concept for a video game they just make gold out of it i don't under, i don't fucking understand what the studio does that they're so good but titanfall 1 titanfall 2 apex legends star wars jedi fallen order fantastic games i don't even give a shit about battle royale games but goddamn they had me playing Apex Legends for like 60 hours this year, which is absurd that I've played a Battle Royale game for that long. But yeah, definitely if you're on the fence about this game, I can assure you this game is really awesome. 
Um, it's definitely definitely worth $60, definitely worth checking out. And if you've been jaded about Star Wars, like a lot of people seem to be, this game to me just feels very like, I don't know, it doesn't feel to me like it's made in like this new Disney era of Star Wars where we, we're just going to hate everything because we're awful people. It feels very like genuine and passionate, like Respawn made this because they just fucking love Star Wars and it's kind of their own interpretation. I guess what I really mean by that is it taking place kind of after episode three in between episodes three and four just feels more like a different era of Star Wars than what we've been getting recently, which is this new era of Star Wars. Um, not to speak ill on any of the Star Wars stuff because I, I think Star Wars is the best it's ever been right now and people are just whiny bitches and Han Solo is like the best fucking Star Wars movie, so whatever. What do I know? Uh, anyway, definitely check out Fallen Order. I'm excited to get back to more of that whenever I can find the time, but I'm really just enjoying kind of slowly making my way through it and just enjoying this nice i think this is kind of this is like the last big fall release of the year and i think it's kind of the perfect one to end on because it's it, you know it seems like it's not too long of a game but it's also a game you can take your time with and, and be kind of thorough and explore a lot and just kind of really savor and enjoy and i'm, I'm really in, i'm really enjoying this kind of being you know the the thing to get me pumped up as we head into december for that that new star wars uh star wars episode nine that's what i've been playing this week but we'll jump into the new stuff now uh so you can stop hearing me tell you about why Luke Skywalker isn't all that cool anyway, and we'll talk about some X-Bots. One really big story we kind of just glossed over, we, well, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but definitely deserves more attention, is all that, that dump, info dump we got about new changes and features coming to Project X Cloud. Among them, the biggest change, the biggest new feature being that that Game Pass would be coming to Project X Cloud in some point in 2020. Presumably, once the service is fully available, players will be able to play Game Pass titles as well as all previously purchased content through X Cloud, which essentially, I mean, just by default kills any chance that Google Stadia will like ever succeed, right? I mean, this is a this is a weird week. We're just coming off the heels of Xbox X Project X Cloud just continuing to be amazing and it's going to be a force to be reckoned with on top of Game Pass and all these things. And then Stadia is kind of rolling out this week, starting this week, and it seems like the reception is just like what the fuck. I never really thought that Stadia stood a chance, but I think this story is really important to look at in the context of Google Stadia because it's like, how does anyone believe in Google Stadia when it's like you could buy, you can buy into Google's new service, pay for it monthly, and then buy your games through the service on top of that and play a bunch of like old games in this small library of games, or you could just go play Project X Cloud and play like literally every game ever for next to nothing over the cloud through Xbox because like I just I, I don't know I guess at first I didn't really think much of this because I was kind of already thinking about xCloud in terms of like well no duh at some point it's gonna have Game Pass but I guess I hadn't really thought too much about the fact that obviously right now while it's in its beta testing that it didn't have Game Pass and that this is a feature that needed to be added and that I mean I, I guess I'm not surprised to see Xbox add Game Pass to Project xCloud uh, but it's just really thinking about it and putting it all together. It's like, God damn, they just, they just keep making this a better deal, right? You're going to be able to take your little iPhone 6S and run around all over the world and just be connected to the cloud and play literally just anything all the time for nothing. 
Although I, I think, I mean, presumably you got to think Project X Cloud is going to cost something. It's not going to be just a free service. So it's going to, they're probably going to do some kind of subscription for it, right? You think like something like a nine ninety nine being a sweet spot for that, which also makes you wonder, are they going to have a bundle for it where it's like Xbox Game Pass Ultimate plus Project X Cloud subscription for like, for like what, what would that be like $20, $25 a month or something? I don't know. It, there's not much to say to this other than just, of course, basically anytime Xbox rolls out a new feature or service, they're just going to cross combine everything they make with everything they offer. And you're going to be able to, as long as you have, you know, a, a personal computing device in your pocket and a computer and an Xbox, you're just going to be able to play literally every game all the time, anywhere, no matter what circumstance for pretty much next to nothing cost wise. That's basically what Xbox is becoming. It's like no longer do you sit in front of a TV. You just, you literally, if you have something with a screen on it, uh, as long as you give us just a couple dollars a month, we'll let you just play anything on it. I just, I, I won't be surprised if like next fall, they're just like, yeah, you can now connect your goddamn Xbox elite controller to a refrigerator those Samsung refrigerators and just play fucking Halo Wars 2 and Tropicana 6 on your goddamn refrigerator because Project X Cloud and everything is everywhere. And it's it's beautiful. So I just wanted to go ahead and mention that because I, I, I kind of just skimmed right over it last week, but it's really quite breaking news. And, and fuck you, Google Stadia, because you ruined YouTube. Our next, or rather our first like genuine story of this week, not content I'm catching up on, comes from Kotaku. Uh, this is from Jason Schreier, the, the, the pretty much only reporter in the world of video games and media, and reporting on this new rumor, or not so much a rumor, but he's citing, I guess it's a rumor, citing sources from uh, Bioware that uh, Anthem actually isn't dead uh, despite, you know, pretty much being dead. So it looks like Bioware is in the early talks about kind of an overhaul for Anthem. The shared world shooter released earlier this year to middling critical success and initially solid sales, actually. But but the game's woes quickly sank the game's success in, in short time, you know, months leading after the launch. Many have speculated that EA and Bioware would abandon the project altogether at some point. But now it looks like Bioware is in talks of an Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next, as they might call it, and have a future for this game that seems somewhat bright. Uh, whether or not the new content rollout would be an expansion or a sequel or just like individual downloads, kind of patch updates, it seems like uh, that that aspect is still to be determined. But while the project is still in its embryonic phase, it does seek to overhaul many of the game's current systems and mechanics. Uh, the development of this new Anthem content is not intended to impede on plans for the soon-to-be-announced Dragon Age 4, uh, which we will be getting sometime next month, I think on December 4th is what they said, and early development for this Mass Effect sequel that we kind of know is rumored to be in development. So apparently whatever they're doing with Anthem here is not going to affect their current development schedule for Dragon Age and Mass Effect, but it looks like they're spinning off some internal team that's going to really double down on Anthem and either make some kind of massive like Destiny Taken King-like expansion for the game or just really kind of do some No Man's Sky next update kind of thing where they just slowly and methodically just work this game and massage out all the wrinkles and all the, all the shit with it and kind of just transform it quietly over time into a likable and cool game or something. So this is a uh, kind of surprising because especially being EA, I would just really expect EA at this point to just be like, we've got to support this game long enough for us to not get too much shit for abandoning it. But the second we can abandon it, we got to do so because this game is not making money. It's it tanked. 
It's awful. It was a waste of everything. We just we shouldn't have done this. Let's get out. But no, they're just they're sticking to it. And it looks like Bioware. I don't know who's spearheading this. If this is a Bioware thing, if this is an EA thing, if this is a collaborative thing. But it just seems like they're really sticking to Anthem. And I'm just so surprised that they're actually going to continue to really overhaul this game and try their best to find life for it yet. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's not too little too late. But I can't help but think that perhaps it is because, you know, a game like Destiny came out and people were willing to forgive it a little bit because it was the shared world shooter thing was just so new when destiny was around. And there was so much promise in the original version of the first destiny game that people I think were willing to stick it out and, and stay around and see what Bungie was going to do to make things right. And of course, a year later, taking King really did kind of change the game for destiny and really did cement that game's place, you know, as a, as a big game and, and kind of give it the critical clout. It, it eventually started attaining. And I, 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 I suppose that's what they're trying to do here is find a way to say, Hey guys, we know we dropped the ball at launch, but just give us some time and we're, we're going to make things right for you. We're going to make this game so unrecognizable by the time we're done overhauling it, that you're going to players who, you know, originally wrote it off and laughed off the game are going to want to come give it a try. And I applaud them for, you know, EA for giving them the time and the resources to do it, Bioware for taking the time to do it, whatever needs to be done. But it's just at this point, I can't help but think it's too little too late because the industry as a whole is just in a different, you know, the games market is just in a different place in 2019 with shared world shooters. It just seems like Anthem didn't take off and now it has a really bad stigma and it just doesn't seem to be like a fervent, passionate fan base for this game. It, I think, you know, it just doesn't have that thing Destiny had where there's a player base waiting for it to get better and who's going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I, I hope I'm wrong just because I don't like to see any project fail. I don't like to see any team fail, but I, I can't imagine this is really going to turn the tides around. But nonetheless, I do applaud them for giving the opportunity and for, and for trying. Um, so we'll definitely keep our eyes out for that as more concrete news or evidence of whatever this this new content is going to be kind of rolls out for, to us. Uh, and good reporting, of course, on Jason Schreier as always bringing us uh, the hard-hidden news about video games. Our next big story comes from IGN. Uh, this one I just ripped directly. So just to kind of read from the article, it looks like a ton of details of what appear to be a new Battle Royale mode in Call of Duty Modern Warfare have leaked, thanks to da- a data miner from the Call of Duty subreddit. Originally posted by Reddit user uh, Sanescalo and then reported by Eurogamer, the leak slash data mine reveals a slew of new features, including a massive new map and increased player count. And according to the leak, it's due out in early 2020. So surprisingly soon for something we we know nothing about that hasn't even officially been announced. Notably, the map is set, uh, seems to contain both the massive ground war maps and a similarly large spec ops mode map within its boundaries. So just a massive fucking battle royale map, similar to kind of what Blackout did in Black Ops 4, with just like a massive map, but even bigger um, in just tons of different places to do shootouts and stuff. But this, this supposed battle royale mode looks to double the player count. So instead of 100 people in a battle Royale game, as the standard, it will go up to 200 players, which just sounds fucking insane. Hopefully that means, you know, this map really is massive to accommodate the 200 players, as opposed to just, you know, making a more densely populated standard size battle Royale map. Of course, you'll be able to do your usual solos, duels and squad variants throughout the map as you did in black ops. But then the article continues that the battle Royale mode will also apparently have a new feature called a, a gulag where eliminated players will have the chance to one V one battle um, with the victory getting a respawn. So that's pretty cool. A second chance 
Um, occasionally there's some sort of quote jailbreak that allows the imprisoned players to respawn. Players get to watch each other one v one match while the timer counts down to their turn. With players being able to place bets on other competitors to see to earn something that they call plunder. The new plunder system allows people to earn points by eliminating enemies and achieving mission goals. So once you get some plunder, you, you can convert them into experience points at ATMs located around the map. The player with the most plunder at the end of the game uh, gets matched. Sorry, gets recognized for their efforts. And if you wander into the bank and deposit your plunder, an alarm goes off and alerts nearby players. Also worth noting, while Blackout had missions that players could complete, they mostly involved surviving to a certain player count. Modern Warfare's Battle Royale missions are a bit more involved and will apparently have you hunting down specific players, collecting scavenger crates, capturing uh, domination points, and other options. Outside the Gulag respawn wing, Real respawning has also been re retooled. You can loot a respawn token, but you only uh, ever get to respawn once. You can revive a teammate by dropping their body off the ambulance with the respawn token, where they'll be taken to the gulag for their chance to come back. And at some point in the game, the gulag closes and players cannot respawn anymore, uh, kind of signaling the final moments of the battle. So, so far, none of this information has even been confirmed by Activision or any Call of Duty team that may be working on it. Uh, and it's unclear if it will be a free mode or a required DLC purchase. I will say, again, as I said at the top of the show, I'm not usually a Battle Royale person. I love how kind of meta this mode sounds, which is like so many games happening within games themselves. And I know that kind of makes me sound like an ignorant person when talking about a Battle Royale game, as that's kind of become a staple of the genre, especially in, you know, the mega hit Fortnite. Uh, kind of the fun of it isn't always just building and fighting and trying to be the last man standing. It's a lot of like finding adventures within this Battle Royale map and kind of dicking around and doing other things. I don't know. I guess... Despite the fact that I'm probably, even if this is a real thing, I'll probably just never really get into it because who has the fucking time for all these multiplayer games? I just really do like this idea that, like, there are so many games happening within this game. It just gets so meta where, like, yeah, the end objective is you want to be the last man standing. But if you do this, you can get a respawn. If you collect this, you can redeem this. You can get these rewards. You know, these 1v1 battles while uh, the larger scale battle is these 200 people dishing it out. You know, it's just all these kinds of little things happening while on the on the grander scale there is a overall battle being fought i just i think that's really cool i appreciate you know their desire to kind of reinvent this genre and to kind of make their own mark on it so i i hope this is real just for the sake of it just sounds awesome i mean i would definitely check it out if it if it were real because i mean this definitely warrants uh, a little bit of checking out just for its uniqueness based on the description alone it does seem extremely specific for it to not be real i can't help but think that it's you know it's got to be real but a early 2020 release sounds like pretty fucking soon for again for something we don't know anything about so maybe early 2020 it's more of like a reveal period and this is something we get in the summer or something but i i guess they'd want to get it out sooner rather than later right because every call of duty only lasts a year anyway so they're gonna want to have the slate cleared for black ops 5 next fall um, as we know, is already in the work. Nonetheless, though, that just sounds cool. Just something to something to throw out there for all you Call of Duty people. I'm actually hoping to get back to Modern Warfare a little bit soon. I, I, I want to play more of that game. I really enjoyed it and kind of felt bad that I just blasted through the campaign and after only like eight hours of multiplayer moved on. So hopefully I'll get back to that soon. And hopefully we'll get that cool Battle Royale mode that I'll probably play for like five matches and then never again. Uh, our next story here is that the NPD numbers for the month of October 2019 are now out. And to no surprise, 
Uh, the number one best-selling game last month was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. As Call of Duty is always the best-selling game uh, every year for its release month, so that is, of course, no surprise. Uh, perhaps what is more surprising is that The Outer Worlds made its way onto the list at the number two spot, despite being a Game Pass game. This is something I want to talk about for a little bit, because this is both a good thing and a bad thing. So... The Outer Worlds made the number two spot despite being an Xbox Game Pass game. This means, you know, NPD does not take into account anything with Game Pass. This means despite the fact that, you know, the game is on PC, PS4, and Xbox One, it will soon be on Switch, but of course it's not right now. So despite being on three platforms where one platform, the bulk of the players who played it, played via Game Pass, the game still made the number two spot just from PC and PS4 alone. That's pretty impressive. That means that this game is selling really well on PC and PS4 because you know for sure that if the game were available on Xbox One only through purchase and not through Game Pass, that obviously it would sell significantly better than it than it sold. Not that it would top Call of Duty Modern Warfare. There's just no way in hell that would happen. But it's just, you know, that's that's really surprising. I expected Outer Worlds to be on the MPD. I expected it to be in like the 7 to 10 range, not the not the top three. So being at number two is very impressive. That's very good news. Uh, what was it last week or two weeks ago when 2K basically announced that they were actually quite pleased with the way the game was performing. So I guess this is a better indication of what they meant because to get number two on the NPD, especially in such a competitive month as October is really fucking impressive. So that's really great news for the outer worlds. And I, again, like I said last week, unless this game is tied up in some crazy licensing shit now between, you know, Private Division and Microsoft and and um, everything, then I think that this game is basically guaranteed a sequel as, as long as they can provide a sequel without any real messy kind of uh, licensing shit now that, you know, of course, Microsoft owns Obsidian. So, yeah, that's just super impressive. But the other thing this made me think of was, you know, Back when Gears 5 came out in September, Gears 5 didn't hit that high up on the NPD charts. And, you know, I credit it mostly to the fact that, of course, Game Pass exists. So most people were probably playing it via Game Pass and not actually buying the physical game. So that was why it was so low on the NPD charts. I think that month it was like seven or eight on the charts. Um, of course, you got to keep it in consideration. The Outer Worlds is available on three platforms, not just one. Um, so... Of course, it has the opportunity to sell way more being on a hundred million plus installed base device like the PS4. And then, of course, the PC, which is, you know, sky's the limit on sales there. That is, of course, important to take into consideration. But it's just it's surprising to see that I guess Game Pass isn't cannibalizing traditional game sales as much as I thought it would. Although we will continue to see that grow and grow as Game Pass gets more and more popular, especially leading into the next generation where I think the Xbox is going to be positioned to be a more successful platform than it was this time around. Uh, but let's continue with the rest of the top 10. So Call of Duty was at one, Outer Worlds was at number two. The rest of the top 10 spots at number three, we had Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, which again, impressive. That game was only out the last day of the of the month. Uh, Madden NFL 20, NBA 2K20, not surprising there. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, interesting to see that there, despite you know Ubisoft kind of expressing how they believe it underperformed. WWE 2K20, FIFA 20, Borderlands 3, and Ring Fit Adventure, which is like Wii Fit for Switch owners. Um, so yeah, that's pretty standard stuff. You know, all the big fall games, sports games, all the big, the, the big Call of Duty and some other big fall games, just all hanging out on the top MPD charts. But congrats to Outer Worlds for really fucking killing it there. I'm 
really happy to see it so high up and congrats to the team at obsidian for making you know such a successful game our next story is one of those those ultra famous xbox boss says this kind of story I guess I should preface with this. Xbox would be a much easier company or a much easier brand for me to analyze and interpret and criticize if it weren't for the fact that so many of their corporate guys are are just so incredibly transparent and direct when they talk to audiences. They speak like gamers speaking to gamers. So sometimes it makes me a little hard. It makes it a little hard. Well, sometimes it does make me a little hard, but sometimes it makes it a little hard for me to kind of read these kinds of stories I'm about to get into and and really dissect because it's like, yeah, I, I agree. So without being vague any longer, let's get into it. So in a recent interview with PCGamesIndustry.biz, Xbox's Aaron Greenberg said in in regards to this conversation of of, uh, the games as a service model and kind of where Xbox sees themselves with that um, genre kind of becoming not so much genre, but that kind of model becoming bigger and bigger. He says, quote, listen. I think the whole industry is on something of a learning curve there with the games as a service. For us, we empower our creative teams to go and make the games they want to make. And and so, hey, I think it's great that Rare wanted to create Sea of Thieves and do something with the new games as a service idea. And we fully respect and support them in continuing to do that. But it's also okay for a game to just be a game, to have a beginning, a middle, and end. And I think Outer Worlds and Wasteland 3 are great examples of that. We'll continue to support teams who want to do that. I would never underestimate the power of the fans and the fan feedback in this. And development teams listen to those folks. So I think we'll see the pendulum swing back to a more balanced place. It's great for us to show a lot of new games and something like this. And among these new titles, you can see that not everything's being built as a service. But that said, with some, with some it does make sense. And we'll continue to support those and support the fans that are playing those titles. It is important to be aware of this as to not chase the success of the genre before it's too late. So... Again, the reason why I preface with that is it's like normally I would basically just say all the things Aaron Greenberg said after someone like Aaron Greenberg would say some bullshit PR thing like we're actively looking into the games as a service model to see the benefits it can provide to both Microsoft and the player, blah, blah, blah. No, this is Aaron Greenberg just basically saying literally everything I could say about this very topic. And yes, he's entirely right and being extremely transparent in that. This is very wise for Xbox as well to have this kind of interpretation where the games as a service model is very much how I hope the open world thing is where it's like, yes, everyone and their mom is jumping on board trying to make a games as a service type game. But like we're going to fucking flood the market. People, there are there are only so many people and there's only so much free time. If every game is a games as a service, you can't have everyone in the world playing your game so that, you know, your player base, your market is going to shrink ever so you know just increasingly the more and more every game attempts to be a games as a service the more every game tries to be a destiny the fewer people we're going to have available to come and play your game because everyone's going to be so tied to the game they already play um so i really appreciate this candid at this candid attitude of like hey this model is not sustainable if it's all we're going to make if it's all everyone's going to make this is not you know it's a it's a trend right now it's a big thing people are really into it a lot of players are into it a lot of studios are trying to make you know do their take on it but you know we're not going to force anyone to make these games because what happens if we do that is that we take a bunch of our teams and we say the games as a service model is very lucrative we need you guys to all make a game like this and then they all make a bunch of them and they take four to five years to develop and then by the time all these games start hitting the market the trend has died 
and you got a bunch of games that are flopping because they're following this old dated trend and you were just trying to follow the dollar and follow the market and you weren't really letting the developers make the games they wanted to make and you end up with this big problem on your hands. And I, this sounds like the kind of thing someone with wisdom says, someone with experience in this kind of thing says, and someone with the the, the understanding and the kind of you know knowledge to see that down the road, I don't think everyone's going to be wanting to play the division two and all of its many competitors. And that maybe sometimes people just like to play a star Wars Jedi fallen or they like to pick up a game, play through a story for 12 hours, put it down and then move on to the next thing. And I think it's really great that, you know, that's kind of their attitude is like, yeah, we have a team that wanted to make a game like that. And we let them make a game like that and it's worked out for them and we'll support it, but we're not going to go turn around and tell obsidian, Hey, rare made sea of thieves. And it's working for them. Where's your shared world shooter? Why aren't you making Outer Worlds more like Fallout 76, you know, so we can make it more of a shared world or rather a game as a service type deal. And I really, I just, again, it's like, I would have said all the things Aaron Greenberg said, but he already beat me to it. He just accurately and aptly analyzed this whole trend and, and where it's going to head and why it's not business savvy to jump in and try and uh, attack this uh, trend just because it's it's doing well right now as it stands. I wish we could adopt that mantra a little more when it comes to the open world games, though. So hopefully only time will tell, but hopefully we'll get further and further away from making absolutely everything open world pretty soon here. And then some smaller kind of more wrap up stories. We got a couple little, yeah, a couple little ones. So it looks like Logitech, the third party uh peripheral manufacturer they are making they just announced actually an adaptive gaming kit for the xbox adaptive controller that includes a number of triggers and buttons for the adaptive controller it's designed so that gamers with mobility issues don't have to spend hundreds of dollars getting buttons from my for microsoft's controller the kit's available for just 100 bucks and includes all those uh, aforementioned triggers and buttons that you can kind of map out in any way in an effort to make uh, specking out this adaptive controller a little easier for those who need it. So that's pretty cool. Um, be on the lookout for that if that's something you're interested in. Aside from that, we've got a rumor, or not so much a rumor, we got kind of confirmation um, from developer Cock Media, the developers of Saints Row, uh, and recently released, or not recently, but a couple years ago, released uh, Agents of Mayhem, that THQ Nordic, the publisher, has uh, will be announcing a new Saints Row game sometime in 2020, so that they're well under their you know development on that next Saints Row game is well underway, and that the game will be announced uh, in a more official capacity sometime next year. And that should come as no surprise. The Saints Row series usually does pretty well, and THQ Nordic greenlights basically everything in the world, so it makes total sense that a game like that would be uh, on the horizon. So definitely be on the lookout for that as. THQ Nordic continues to buy up every fucking smaller studio and re-release or make sequels to all the games, uh, the mid-tier games we used to play 10, 15 years ago. And then another small one, it looks like Gearbox Studios has revealed the first DLC campaign for Borderlands 3, and it's called Moxie's Heist of the Handsome Jackpot. The DLC will be released on December 19th. It adds a new galaxy destination with unique casino zones that are as gaudy and opulent as Handsome Jack would have ever wanted. Just so you know, that's a that's a poll from IGN. Uh, Moxie has a crew of her own and and players will be working with them and the campaign missions will focus on the ultimate space casino heist. The DLC will be included in the season pass and deluxe editions if you uh, if you like to spend more than sixty dollars for games. Uh, so there's that. So look forward to that if you're a fucking Borderlands nerd, goddamn games as a service kinda ish wannabe. And then of course our final story here. 
this is actually not so much a wrap up. It's kind of a, a proper story, but this one just kind of, I just, I just found this one right before I recorded. So I tacked on at the end here. So directly from IGN, Rafael Colantonio, goddamn Italian, the former president and creative director of Dishonored Creator, Arcane Studios, has set up a new development company, Wolf Eye Studios. He has begun the venture along with a fellow Arcane veteran, Julian Robbie, who is the company's former executive producer. At Wolf Eye Studios, Colantonio takes on the role of president and creative director, and Robbie is the company's CEO and executive producer. The developer already has a project in the works, which will be un- which will be announced at the Game Awards this December. Wolfi Studios aims to, quote, create games in which players live their own adventures in rich, simulated worlds that respond to actions and decisions in ways that are unique to each playthrough, end quote. According to a press release from the company, that is. And then a quote directly from Mr. Colantonio. He says, after taking some time off and consulting a variety of video game companies, I'm ready for a new venture. Uh, the AAA market is a risk-averse and innovated, and innovation suffers from it. As a game designer, I've been wanting to try new ideas and new approaches, and I believe that being an independent game developer is the best space for, uh, for doing so. The Game Awards will take place on December 12th, so expect an announcement there. Uh, I see this kind of as like a response to Dishonored 2 underperforming. Remember that Arcane is a Bethesda-owned studio, and Dishonored 2 kind of really didn't hit when it came out, what, two years ago? Three years ago? Two years ago? And I I mean, I thought that was the end of the Dishonored series, and, and to me, I see a story like this, and it just says to me, yeah, Dishonored 2 did not meet the meet the expectation sales-wise. And so what I see this as is, you know, Bethesda probably wants to put them on like a more tightened leash and say things like you're going to work on this stupid um, DLC spinoff for Wolfenstein and things like that. And we're, we're going to not let you make another Dishonored because you try to be creative and cool with that and didn't really sell very well. And so it looks like someone's leaving to start their own studio as a result of wanting more creative freedom and to have more creative risk taking um, with this new Wolf Eye Studios. Of course, that's always a super super risky venture to do that um as of course you know if his previous games like dishonored kind of underperformed imagine what kind of risk you're taking on as an independent developer doing something like that so of course wishing all the best to the team at wolf eye studios and excited to see what their new game is although i've just never personally been a big arcane fan they they made a they made the new prey reboot they made those dishonored games that just I don't know. Their games look interesting. I've just never played one or really cared to try one out. But nonetheless, congrats to them for the formation of their new studios. Let's see if this is one of those. I, I might be looking into this a little bit much, but let's see if this is one of those. Bethesda won't make let us make a Dishonored 3. So we're going to take you know our intentions and aspirations for a Dishonored 3 and mix it with some new ideas and make a brand new IP and kind of do our own thing because... I don't know why. I just I just see this as like that might be what's what's happening as a result of this. But what do I know? We'll uh, we'll we'll find out soon enough. And so that's gonna do it for this week's news. Uh, as always, we'll wrap up with the new games coming out on Xbox, as well as a reminder of our games with gold uh, entries for the month of November. So coming out this week, there are twelve new games coming to Xbox, and we'll just blast right through them. We've got Munchkin Quacked Quest, which is out November nineteenth. It is an Xbox Play Anywhere. Uh, game but you know just because you can play anywhere doesn't mean you should play anywhere i think i made that one before i made that joke before the next one we got here is age of wonders planetfall revelations november 19th now this screenshot doesn't show gameplay which leads me to believe it's a bad it's a bad game and that's why they're not showing gameplay they're just showing concept art your fucking game is coming out and you won't even show a screenshot of the game you're just showing concept art 
It's one X enhanced though, so maybe it's just really enhanced concept art for twenty hours. Who knows? Uh, our next game here is called We Happy Few. We all fall down. Uh, this is Xbox One X enhanced. This is additional content for We Happy Few, an expansion, a new campaign, a new side content, whatever. And you, so what the thing about We Happy Few is that only a few of them are happy. So you, when you buy this content, you should come with the expectation that you might not be happy with what you get. So maybe read a review first before you buy it, uh, or you might all fall down, as the name suggests. Our next game is called uh, Something French, Mega, Mega Party November 21st. It looks like a cartoonish little hockey game. It's Canadian, so we're going to skip it because I don't want to get cancer. Uh, our next game is called Farmer's Dynasty, which looks like every other simulator game I announce every fucking week. And then after that, we got Narcos Rise of the Cartels, which is actually a really awesome game because it's based on the hit Netflix TV series. So I don't know. I When I see this, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you're looking at a picture of like drug cartels smuggling drugs into a, a place with, with using vehicles. But when it says it's based on the hit Netflix TV series, I don't know if that means like the game is like based on the actual show's premise or if like the game is based on like a group of people sitting down and watching the show on Netflix. So I'm hoping for the latter because I really think that'd be an innovative take on, on video games um, for people to like to like play a game where uh, it's like you, you start the game up and then there's like a guy and he's in his couch. He's on his couch. He's saying, well, I'm going to watch on Netflix. And then, and then he turns on the show about a drug cartel. And then <clears throat> rather than, you know, you playing this story about the drug cartel smuggling drugs into wherever they're smuggling drugs, it's really, you know, you're really controlling the guy on the couch and kind of controlling his comfort level and his ability to adjust the volume and things like that as he watches the show. I think that's a more active and dynamic approach to gameplay. And if that's what this game is, I'm, I mean, that's pretty pretty awesome. That's better than Death Stranding right there in terms of just being innovative. And I think you should check it out. Our next game is called Debris, which is just a nice way of saying this game is trash. And then after that, we've got Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, which is a, it's a game with an anime wolf and it's a lot of text. So this game is for literate people, which I am not. So we'll move on to the next game called Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts. Now, this could be a part of the Sniper Elite series, um, but I can't read as mentioned above, so I won't read you the, the description. Instead, I'll just describe there's a guy with a gun and he's pointing at some snow-capped mountains. This is probably just some DLC for Call of Duty. And then our next game is called Lost Ember. You play as this wolf. This wolf has a necklace and it has a little glowing jewel on it. And he's in a very whimsical and artsy world. Uh, I mean, Lost Ember, I assume this is about like a, uh, like a post-apocalyptic world where you play as this wolf who plays in like this fantastical world in a post California forest fire type environment. And you, you're looking for the lost fire. You're basically playing as this wolf. You're searching for forest fires. You're wondering why you live in a world where forest fires don't happen as often as they used to. And you're kind of trying to rekindle no pun intended the, um, the magic of the forest fire. I don't, I don't fucking know. Our next game is called sin Myers civilization six. It's 1X enhanced. And then we've got Green, the app, the life algorithm, which is a 2D game. So I'll give it two of these nuts because I don't care. And that's going to do it for our games this month. Make sure you buy all of them, download all of them, support your local game dev. Uh, make sure, uh, you know, you get all the achievements if you're a real Xbox gamer. And then let's do a quick little reminder about the games with gold for the month of November. So just just as a quick little reminder, you know, as we approach, God damn, November's getting, we're getting far in November. 
It's almost December, so another month closer to death, I suppose. But yeah, just for those who forgot, because they're not listening to me, we got Sherlock Holmes, which is available for the rest of the month. We got The Final Station, uh, which is now available uh, as of December 16th and will be available through December 15th. And then we got Star Wars Jedi Fighter, which is no longer available. So if you want to play a Star Wars game, just play Jedi Fallen Order. And then lastly, you got Joyride Turbo, which is now available through the rest of the month. So make sure you play that xbox 360 gem right there um and that's of course gonna do it for this week's episode as always thank you so much for listening i know that you really you really hear just you know the news is nice the the intro the sound bumpers all that stuff's nice but you're really just here hanging on my every word till we get to the part where i read to you the games released this week and so i appreciate you guys listening through to the end because i know you you like that i saved the best segment for last that's what you're really here for that's why that's why you're paying me so much on patreon every month is for this kind of content and i just want to let you know that's not lost on me you're welcome but as always we're going to end the show with a song from my friend eric a lot of people have been asking me who's eric and um well if you want to know a little bit more about him we'll play this song right here this song eric wrote this song he said when he was in a very traumatic traumatic point in his life where he was trying to uh, face adversity uh and overcome obstacles so this is a song about you know, being better, being stronger, being true to yourself. Um, and, you know, I hope you really connect and, and emotionally vibe with this song. Uh, and then, as before, of course, before we get into the song, you know, Eric, just hang on a second before you hit play there, Eric. Hang on. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Just do it. Find me. The world is your oyster. Find me. Why do I have to tell you where to find me on social media? Why can't you just take it upon yourself to find me? on Instagram. Also, Instagram is a very important place to follow me. All right, take it away, Eric. Hit that play button. <laughs> 